0: I'm Audrey Cooper, the Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today on Fifth Admission, we're going to be speaking about what is happening to the most vulnerable among us as our region struggles to contain the coronavirus. I think we all know the Bay Area had an out-of-control homelessness epidemic long before this virus took hold, and businesses were having a hard time paying rent. Now we're being told to stay in our homes, and the plight of the poor, homeless, homeless, and struggling is even more acute. Joining me today to talk about this is Dominic Fercasa. Dom, uh, you've been uh, covering a lot of different angles of this for us, but today, uh, which is Tuesday, uh, the mayor made a decree that specifically targets businesses. What, what did she decide today?
1: Yeah. So today, uh, just a couple of hours ago at the time of this recording, um, San Francisco Mayor London Breed uh, issued an executive order saying, look, if you are a business owner uh, and you cannot afford to make your next rent payment because of the economic impacts of the coronavirus, we're going to hit the pause button for you. So what we have um, starting um, probably tomorrow, first thing tomorrow morning, uh, will be a moratorium on commercial evictions in San Francisco. So this is, you know, one of kind of a package of things that San Francisco officials are really kind of furiously working on in order to you know, try to contain some of the worst um, ripple effects of the coronavirus. The first and foremost thing is public health, and you know, we can talk about those measures, but there, there, are, there are a number of sort of you know, valences around this issue, uh, one of which being you know, the economy. We, we have now you know, uh, um, basically the entire Bay Area saying, look, we want people to stay in their homes as much as possible and make only the most essential trips outside your home in order to contain this virus. But that has consequences. That means people are going to be going out and and buying things less. That means we're we're already risking bringing the the local economy uh, to a standstill, and that means businesses aren't going to be able to pay their rents. Now, w- what the city has said is, look, look, starting tomorrow, we're not going to allow you to be evicted because you cannot pay the rent. Now, it's it's worth noting as well, um, you know, it's very easy to say like this is not going to be a time for politics, but this is San Francisco, and it's sort of inevitable. So, just about um, forty five minutes ago, I think. I'm um, Supervisor Dean Preston, who represents uh, the fifth uh, district in San Francisco, Hayes Valley, Cole Valley, um, places like that. Uh, he has introduced legislation basically doing the same thing and the two offices did not talk to each other. So how that all works out, it's not really the most important thing right now. But what we do have is a concerted effort among um, San Francisco top officials that say, if you're a business owner and you can't pay your rent because nobody is coming in the door because they're sheltering in place like we've told them to, we're going to at least right now protect you from being out on the street. What's really important and what is not abundantly clear right now is what happens after the coronavirus emergency passes. What business owners are going to do if they owe a lot of back rent is, is really kind of still an open question. And there's really only going to be so much the city can do for folks. But at least at this moment, businesses will not be sort of out on, out on the street, so to speak, um, if they can't afford to pay because of what the virus is doing to the economy.
0: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. We really don't know. Uh, you know, eventually you have to assume rent will come due, and that that includes during the time period that people were unable to have customers and have sales. Um, and and you know whether the city is even positioned to even help people with that. That seems like a pretty daunting
1: ask. Yeah, it's it's hugely daunting, and I think though it's worth taking a moment just to to reiterate what I think everybody sort of intuitively knows, but that this is really an unchartered, you know, place for for us right now. I mean, you know, we've, San Francisco and, and the country and the world, we endure these sort of pandemics um, every so often, but this just feels like a lot of things kind of coming home to roost all at once um, around the economy, around public health. You know, I think that time will tell, you know, we'll, we'll really explain in future stories, will explain just how prepared we are or weren't for this, but I mean, especially when it comes to businesses, they they are the city is frantically trying to do what it can to sort of stop the bleeding, so to speak. Um, but just the sort of unprecedented times that we're in make, make a lot of things really uncertain. Like what's going to happen after all of this passes is really not a question officials are prepared to answer. We're just trying to survive day to day, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the city is also stepping in to be more aggressive with um, paying for people sick leave. What can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so this came down... Um, oh, my God. Time has become meaningless to me now. But either uh, late last week or early this week, I believe it was late last, um, the mayor said, OK, uh, what we're going to do is to say to uh, among city government, which the mayor has a lot of control over, obviously, she said that, look, we're going to say like you're allowed to borrow ahead when it comes to sick leave. We don't want there to be any barriers to people staying home during this epidemic. So we want to uh, allow people to stay home if they could in the past uh, or if they for some reason used up their vacation and sick time you're going to be allowed to borrow ahead and she encouraged the private sector to follow suit quite explicitly so now uh, this the mayor has sort of taken an, an additional step and made 10 million dollars available for private businesses to uh, petition the city for funds that would allow them to pay their employees to have also this additional sick time. There could be as many as 16,000 hours for a total of 25,000 people that can come out of that $10 million bucket of money. Um, And cities will have to go through, you know, basically the trouble of, of petitioning the city for it. Um, but what the, again, this is all, all comes back to allowing people to stay home, especially if they are ill. People now, you know, are being advised and being required, in fact, to stay home, even if you're not sick, is to, in order to prevent the spread of this virus. But what they're trying to do as best they can is to lower the barriers that are preventing people from, from being able to stay in their homes. And this 10 million bucks for extra sick leave time, uh, has been one, one angle of that one, one, um, avenue that the city has pursued.
0: Well and speaking of staying from home I know you have been ordered by your boss <laughs> to stay home um and uh it, 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 what's the what's the deal at city hall are are people working at city hall right now are there a lot of proposals out there are they trying to figure out ways to stimulate the local economy um what's what's the mood happening with the city leaders right now
1: So don't hold this against me but I was in City Hall very briefly today. Um I, Dumb, I had to th- I told you I know, not I know to. I had to get this recording equipment to make this podcast possible in my defense. It was a ghost town in there. I have never seen it so quiet in there in you know the past 3 3, three or so years that I've uh, been working out of City Hall. Um city officials are I I don't want to say scared. I do think that they um are listening to public health experts and not um, standing in the way of their uh, recommendations, which have day after day become increasingly aggressive when it comes to forcing people to change their behavior to stop the spread of this disease. Um, but they there is a lot of deer in headlights right now. I mean, again, it speaks to the unprecedented nature of this. I, I think in general, our mayor and our city supervisors are trying to do what they can around the economic things that we've been talking about, trying to take steps and trying to be responsive to the business community and trying to keep the economy from grinding entirely to a halt during all of this. But when it comes to, you know, the most important thing, which is treating people who are ill, trying to prevent people from becoming ill, there is a lot now on the shoulders of Dr. Grant Colfax, um, the city's health director. Um, This is uh, a person who um, was instrumental during the uh, HIV epidemic in San Francisco decades ago. Um, He's you know, went on to work in the Obama administration in public health. So this is a person who knows, you know, he may not be an infectious disease expert by training, but he knows public health. And and I think really now uh, the city is going to continue to, to sort of lean on him and to lean on, you know, also people at the state and federal level to the extent that we can to try to to try to dig us out of this, um, but I, I I think right now basically you have you know politicians saying look here's what we're going to do to stop people from getting evicted here's what we're going to do to stop businesses from getting evicted just to try to. To freeze the city in place, to let the virus, you know, hopefully someday soon pass, to let this epidemic pass. Um, but in the meantime, we are very much reliant on our, our our city's health department, which appears to have been responding just about as well as it could. Maybe we're a few days behind where we ought to be, but the general consensus is that these are um, aggressive but necessary steps if we want to see if we want to really flatten that curve, like everyone talks about.
0: I'm really glad you mentioned that because it's something that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, If you go back to the history of the San Francisco Public Health Department, the city in general, during the AIDS epidemic, I think people forget there was a time period when um, nobody knew how you could contract it and who was going to get it. And uni drivers were driving around with masks on their face. And ultimately, it was a pandemic that killed the equivalent of one out of every eight San Franciscan residents by today's population estimates and then just as in now it seems that most of the leadership is coming from local officials to try to get aggressive with this
1: yeah I mean mayor London breed certainly she she handpicked dr Grant Colfax for this job uh, she had she made no secret yesterday at a major news conference. Um, announcing that the the city and, and five other Bay Area counties at the time were basically going to to shelter in place and mandate a shelter in place. She's made no bones about the the fact that the response from the federal government has been lacking. Now, the, the full dimensions of how short that, they, that the federal government is coming up have really, I think, yet to be told. Um, again, as we kind of lurch from hour to hour with this crisis, that sort of retrospective is going to have to happen in the future. But right now I mean we've had the mayor send a letter to Vice President Mike Pence saying, please do not stand in the way please send the help that we are asking for in the form of materials, um, personal protective equipment for frontline healthcare workers, things like that um, please send more tests you know we, we will never know the full extent of this until we have the uh, sufficient number of tests ready to, to um, ready to deploy So I, I think that in the sort of the absence in the vacuum of leadership of or at least clear leadership leadership from the federal government, thinking back to Friday in the president's press conference, sort of trotting out this parade of private se- sector executives saying, look, here's what Walmart's doing. Here's what CVS is doing. And by the way, here's what the CDC is doing about this crisis. I mean, it was a mess. It was a mess by any objective standard when it comes to delivering the clear information that people need and people are, are hungry for right now as they try to keep themselves safe. I mean, I spent half my day yesterday and I was glad to do it, you know, answering people's emails about what is happening, what is the basic stuff that we need to know. Oh, I'm, I'm about to move uh, across town or I'm about to move from another state. Will they let my kids come in and, and help me carry my couch out of San Francisco? And I mean, we're not getting that from the highest level. We're getting mixed signals about the severity of it, about I mean, we're getting, you know, the president touching a microphone like dozens of times during a press conference and handshaking with people. So all to say in, in the absence of that leadership from on high, it has come to um, our local health officials to really provide uh, um, a clear beacon for, for how people ought to respond to this.
0: Well, unless people think we're just picking on the federal government, I, I I would add to that the state government has not been super clear. We've had a lot of press conferences from former San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom, but not a lot of definitive um, action on a statewide level. It seems like, you know, that's also being done piecemeal.
1: Here, here's a quick ret- retrospective, something that I've noticed since um, we, we started getting basically daily updates from the city uh, about this. And, and keeping in mind, the city opened its emergency operations center for the virus in late January you know so to to some extent they have been Preparing for this, but I, I, I want to just look at you know from the state level and also from the local level, what did we see as, as we went on over the course of days? We got tighter and tighter constrictions on things like the the, gather, the, the maximum size of gatherings. We went from a thousand people down to five hundred people, down to two hundred and fifty people down to one hundred people, basically down to do not hang out with other people or go to places where people tend to congregate. keep six feet from anybody who doesn 't live in your house but what That What happened each day is that they started out, in many cases, at the state level especially, as recommendations, hoping that people would realize the severity of this and and take the appropriate action, but it simply hasn't happened. So there has been this sort of... This sort of mentality, at least from the state level of saying, look, folks, we really need to come together on this and we really encourage you not to seek out large gatherings of people. And then it simply it simply doesn't happen. And then there has to be a mandate right around it. And we waste time uh, uh, taking those sort of half measures. So uh, if they haven't figured it out now, I mean, people are just, you know, uh I'm not sure that the voluntary methods are going to be effective if, as health officials tell us, this is going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. I mean, these, as, as, as public officials have acknowledged, this is extremely detrimental to the economy, which we've been talking about to people's livelihoods, to say nothing of the risk to you know, immunocompromised and otherwise vulnerable populations. Um, but the voluntary method doesn't seem to be working. And you know, these mandates are, are, I think, in large part a product of that.
0: Yeah, I I think those are good points. I want to take a break and um, right after that, we'll be back and I want to talk about specifically what we're doing around homeless people and people who are at risk of being evicted from their homes. We'll be back right after this. Dom, a lot of people have been asking me what is happening with the homeless people. We can all shelter in place. We are fortunate enough to have houses, but the city and the entire region had an out-of-control homelessness epidemic. Before this started, we know that disease can spread very quickly um, given the lack of bathrooms that we have in the city for people who don't have homes. What are we doing to um, keep that population safe?
1: Right. So, yeah, shelter in place. But what do you do if you have no shelter? So in the first couple of days after we started to really realize what a major health emergency this was going to be, um, city officials um, said we are going to um, basically ramp up to a significant degree the amount of sanitation that happens at city homelessness shelters, at um, uh, uh, hotel SROs, and at permanent supportive housing units. Now, this these these sort of these facilities, if you will, these institutions are run by a patchwork of city agencies and nonprofits, and some, particularly the SROs, are are run by private entities. So there needed to be some sort of standardization at, with which these places would be kept clean. And also, uh, um, one of the things the city did was set a few million dollars aside to ensure that meal services at these locations could be could be increased. So if you're serving meals twice a day, let's go to three times a day. If you're serving one meal a day, let's up that to two or three all of which again gets back to helping people stay indoors as much as possible now these are all of these places are so-called congregate settings where where clusters of people tend to live close together which presents you know some of the biggest risk of of spreading the disease so these cleanliness um uh, these heightened cleanliness mandates um we hope can help to keep you know shared spaces like shared kitchens abundantly clean and virus free um there's no guarantee of that um One thing that has not yet happened, but a conversation that I think over the past couple of days has really started to gain momentum, is the notion of... Placing people, the most vulnerable people who are out living on our streets, into vacant hotel rooms, into uh, um, all uh, any any even like residential settings. That's something the city was sort of thinking about, or at least toying with early on. Taking vacant residential settings and making them available for people who have no other home or have no other place to self quarantine if they do uh, get diagnosed with a virus, regardless of if if they're symptomatic, but because they live in an SRO or a homeless shelter, for example, they, they have no place to safely get away from other people. The city also um, leased um, about a fleet of 30 RVs for that same reason. Again, a place for people to go if they can't safely um, get away from other folks and need to um, for their own safety and for the safety of others. Um, so it's sort of been a piecemeal approach so far. Um but the, the the notion of placing people in unused hotel or residential settings, um, I think, is starting to gain momentum. Certainly at the local level, and perhaps even at the state level. Um, you know, this is a crisis, and desperate times may call for quote unquote desperate measures. Um, so we'll see if if that materializes. Um, but you know, again, we're talking about the most vulnerable people who don't have access to regular health care, who can't easily. Um, you know, even like clean their hands before they eat. In some cases, there were there was some distribution of hand sanitizers, but I, I really just doubt that that was going to be sufficient for for protecting the most vulnerable in San Francisco and across the Bay Area.
0: Yeah, you know what what frustrates me about this, and and I'm sure I'm not the only one, is we knew this was a crisis before coronavirus was even a part of our lexicon, um, and and now we're having to do emergency steps to take care of this population um i I read on sfchronicle.com that we're even talking about the schools that are empty maybe using those as temporary shelters
1: yeah again all, all of these measures um, were things that it, I think I think the point that you just made is is, is particularly interesting in that I wonder what sort of measures a, on the other side of this crisis and I know it's really difficult to see through the fog of that but you know what measures might last might prove to be enduring when it comes to housing housing un- unsheltered people you know what i mean like if we're if we're going to you know call homelessness a crisis we need to treat it like one and there there are are rampant Public health issues associated with homelessness. We know that an overwhelming people who enter homelessness do so after the age of fifty. Right now, you know, so you have you know the the potentially compromising uh, uh, um, underlying health issues that that come with living on the street, and people are in general older when they enter uh, uh, you know enter homelessness. So I do think that once we fi- once we hopefully take some of these steps, once we find some of these innovative solutions for for taking care of the most vulnerable among us hopefully that some of them will stick and we won't forget those lessons once we are on the other side of this thing
0: i think that's an excellent point and uh, you know i wrote a story yesterday and it happens occasionally it's not a pretty sight when it happens but the chronicle season of sharing fund has expedited Uh, the release of almost $2 million in funds. And the Season of Sharing Fund gives money directly to people who are experiencing hunger or at the brink of homelessness. You can get cash emergency funds through the county agencies. And what I love about Season of Sharing, even though it sounds like I'm doing a commercial, is that the Chronicle and the Haas Jr. Fund pays the administrative costs. So anything that people donate through season of sharing goes directly to people in need, which we know there are going to be a lot of them. Besides nonprofits that are helping people stay in their homes, what other measures are happening right now? Because, you know, many, many people can, I mean, forget about the gig workers and the retail workers. Um, I, I think almost government employees and journalists are probably the only ones getting any additional work during this time period what is happening to keep people in their homes
1: so one of the other major steps that the city has taken so far um we've talked about the moratorium on commercial evictions now that's for small and medium sized businesses but what about actual you know individuals so the city has also i believe it was may or excuse me march 13th um a, the city announced that there would be a moratorium on Residential evictions, as well, if you are not able to pay your rent as a result of the virus. So again, if you you know are are forced to you know shutter your business or you're for, forced to stay at home rather than go to work and, and collect a paycheck because of this because of this epidemic, you are um, eligible to stay in your home. You will have to figure out a back rent. Increase a a back rent payment that doesn't go away. But for the time being, while this sort of cloud is over top of us, you cannot be forced out of your home if you can't pay the rent due to COVID 19. So that measure was rolled out um, again. A lot of these things are a part of the executive declara- or, excuse me, the emergency declaration that Mayor London Breed um, kicked out several weeks ago uh, that make a lot of these uh, measures possible and without a lot of you know bureaucratic and red tape wrangling that would otherwise go along with them. So the moratorium on residential evictions was one of them, but there may be some significant loopholes in that measure. That again, to bring up Supervisor Dean Preston, he has said that he wants. To fill Now, those include, uh, uh, so we've talked about not being able to pay rent, but what about if it's an Ellis Act eviction, where your landlord decides all of a sudden they want to get out of the landlord business? Or uh, what about other types of no-fault evictions, where a, a tenant may not have uh, broken any of the terms of the lease, but for whatever re- other reason, the, the landlord is able to get them out? So those are things that are not covered by the mayor's um, the mayor's moratorium on residential evictions, and these are things that Supervisor Preston has said that he wants to handle legislatively. He introduced legislation to that effect last week, but that will take weeks to work itself through the legislative process, which may itself be impeded by the necessity of social distancing and the need for people to to not come into work, including city government. So we're not really sure where that's going to shake out. Um, The the supervisor has been uh, active on social media describing, you know, he himself is a former tenant's uh, rights attorney, um, and he has been active talking about people still getting evicted. And landlords um, reportedly um, or allegedly saying saying, look, it's not, it's not my job to protect against a pandemic. Um, but of course, the, sort of, the initial sort of gut reaction from most people is like, we cannot afford, nobody can afford to be out on the street right now given uh, you know, an international health emergency. Um, so that's where the, the sort of impetus for this has come from.
0: And, and I think we should say uh, one area where the state has stepped up is uh, Gavin Newsom, Governor Newsom, on Monday issued an executive order that gives local governments the authority to halt evictions. So this isn't just happening in San Francisco. It's across the state where this is a possibility for people. That's
1: a really important point. And, and just to touch once more on, the, resi- on ex- excuse me, the commercial evictions, that was also predicated on an executive order from Governor Newsom uh, that said, look, cities are now permitted to... Tamper with local rules around commercial eviction. So um, this is—it's uh, definitely these these laws kind of go hand in hand, and that is a place where we have seen some some swift action and some um, common sense cooperation. I think between the the levels of government at the state and and local levels, at least.
0: There are a lot of stories right now on sfchronicle.com about efforts that all of our governments, our various levels of governments are taking to help people during this very difficult time. Dom, thank you for uh, joining me. I, 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 I guess I should thank you for picking up the podcast equipment, but stay out of City Hall. Stay in your house. I
1: got everything I need now. Thank you.
0: Okay, great. <laughs> Thanks. I'd like to thank reporter Dominic Fercasa for being with me today to King Kaufman for producing this episode and you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pod.